Please stand by for another episode of Wired Shut. Oh, God. Uh, yeah, welcome to Wired Shut. Welcome uh, to Wired Shut. I'm your host, Logan. He's your host, Jesse. Um, wireless, it's great. I'm just walking around fucking talking now. It's awesome. Um, yeah, oh, shit. I should do that. I keep forgetting to charge my wireless headset, and because of that, I basically just don't use it. Get it together, man. It's a new age. We're wireless now. We only it's use a, wires. It's a new for... dawn. It's a new age. It's a new life for me. Yeah, I'm feeling we, good. We only use wires these days for sexual gratification. <laughs> I don't know what that means. Uh, welcome to the clum down. Um, Truly. What have you seen lately? Oh, still not Godzilla vs. Kong because it's only outdoors and I can't be bothered going to the movies. Um, only outdoors? What do I watch? It's like it's not on any streaming oh, service. You, or... Oh, you mean you have to leave the, the enclave? Yeah, I have to leave the enclave. Uh, is it Love and Monsters? Yes. That's what I watched the other day. That uh one with the kid who looks at the kid from all of the all of the things. One of those movies that features a thirty five year old that looks kind of like he's twenty two playing a sort of nineteen year old. Correct. Yeah. 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 With uh, massive emotional issues. Um but it's played for laughs because he's white. <laughs> 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 um... I mean, I'm right though. If you were white, <laughs> if if you were fully white, then they'd call you a um, butthurt white dude. Oh, uh, uh, welcome back to white hurt. Um, <laughs> Jesus Christ! Um, Subreddit called fragile white redditor. Uh, promising young woman. Yes, that. Yeah. Did we ever talk about that movie? No, I haven't seen it yet. Oh, I have. It was great. Was it uh, promising? Was oh, it young? It more than lived up to the promise with the slow realization that you thought you were watching something that was like a um, person getting their life together out of after trauma. Right. And then you realize it's actually more of a um, like sarcastic anti-revenge movie. Oh. It's... The... Uh... I mean, I'll tell you how it ends if you want to know. Yeah, go on. No, I'm just taking um, note of the fact that the the movie poster rips off our poster for this podcast, but that's fine. This is true. Mm. That's now what three, four separate pieces of media that have ripped off our logo. Yep, we came one first. that arguably ripped it off like 20 years before we made it. We've been saying this for years. We invented lips. Yeah, taking it seriously though. Then lips. Uh, um, yeah. Well, well, how did it end? So she goes to do the final vengeance against the guy that um, raped her best mate in college, gang raped her, and it got filmed. And basically, all the main characters and were sort of a part of it. But she's been progressively kind of getting revenge against sort of dearly. Um, she pretends to be a stripper at his stag do. Hmm. Manages to get him alone, handcuffs him to a bed, uh, 
roofies all of his mates unconscious. And then he still manages to get out of the handcuffs and just um, smothers her with a pillow. Ah, and that's how it ends. Um, so so she she set things up with, I think, the sort of assumption that she'd probably die in the process. Right, yeah, yeah. okay. So it's a um, it, was, it was very much like her life stopped when her friend died. Yeah, she's putting together some sort of suicide squad. <laughs> I'm pretty sure in this climate we don't make jokes around this uh, the top subject matter. Yeah, I know. God. I mean, we um, do, but we shouldn't. Or we people would tell us we shouldn't. I don't know. I don't have my own morals. I just incorporate other people's when necessary. All, all we know is that the world has moved on, and we cannot, um, we can't just make light of the fact that James Gunn is allowed to make movies. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> And um, off the back of this film, considering its subject matter, Carrie Mulligan got a lot of shit for being apparently too old and plain looking to play this role. What? Is it yeah. based on a book or something? No, nah, I think it's like a Diablo Cody movie. Well, then, but how can someone be too old to play that sort well, the, of role? The point is, she's intentionally going out at night dressed up as like a... Like the insinuation is she's doing the I'm a slightly past my prime woman that never got married and I'm drunk and you can easily sleep with me. And so she does that and then she gets men to take them back to her house and then suddenly goes, boom, I'm not actually drunk. What are you doing trying to rape me right now? Mm-hmm. Um, but apparently, yeah, according to some Hollywood outlets, she was slightly too old and plain looking to be believable in that role which is an interesting insinuation on the part of yeah an industry who seems to be really 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 fine with rape yeah and again hollywood define plain looking for us like yeah classic um sort of hollywood standards versus everyday standards yeah, like, but it sounds like they just wanted a, like a Lolita-level kind of Hollywood fuck doll in this role. Which... So that they could like, sexualize her, even though that's not the point of the fucking movie. I mean, you could argue she is sort of... <laughs> ah, there we go. Y- you could argue that. What the hell was that? <laughs> Jesse suddenly realizing that human beings sneeze and he never learned how. I didn't hear the sneeze, I just said... Oh, oh, that's better. And I'm like, wait, what? I feel like there was a sneeze there, but... Uh... Yeah, no, there was a sneeze. Oh, thank gosh. Maybe it just picked the microphone sufficiently that it never came through. Yeah, yeah. Because um, yeah. she is playing, like, somebody who sort of had arrested development mid-uni. Right, okay. Um, and after her friends... <laughs> so without seeing the movie, now all I'm seeing... It's arrested her... <laughs> development. Yeah, now all I'm seeing is Carrie Mulligan doing her best Joe Bluth impression. Best Will Arnett. All I'm seeing is a weird... Um, yeah, just... Her almost faking drunk and almost sleeping with all the different um, Bluth males. <laughs> and them all reacting differently <laughs> and badly to it. Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> This shit writes itself. It shouldn't, yeah, but it does. It, it should. Um, um, but yeah, it, it was. 
it's almost a movie that in it's you can tell by the way they've marketed it that they either didn't know how to market it or they wanted to stealth market it as a um sort of like a feminist revenge flick yeah or yeah. slash um I mean the the trailer I saw implies she murders people I don't yeah, know whether you've seen I it before. Well, yeah, yeah, I saw the trailer and it made me think it's a, um, yeah, it's a, yeah, like a, she doesn't kill or hurt anyone. The only person, the, there's, there's one insinuation of violence, but I think it's basically she has to, um, fingernail claw a guy to get him off her. Right. Which that, okay. that's the only actual violence and it happens off screen. Um, oh. so I, I don't. Yeah, but the trailer makes it look like she's straight up murdering dudes, and yeah, because yeah, yeah. they raped people or something. But really, what it is is she's she's setting herself up to then just emasculate men who would do that sort of thing, and then call them out yeah. on it, and then go home. And those scenes are really perfect, but fucking cringe. Yeah, like uh, yeah. the McLovin dude is a. I was going to say, this cast list looks like a who's who of the kind of uh, frat bros who would definitely drug and uh, videotape, like, having... Yeah, I mean, the fact girl. that the... the, the Bo, Bo, Bo Burnham. So Adam Bo Brody. Burnham is, is the dude that she's in love with until... Um, so it also even has multiple, like, women rape apologists in it, which is oh, an right. intentional and interesting turn. So there's... Um, What's her name? Horse Girl from Community. Uh, Annie's boobs. Yeah, Alison Brie. Mm. So she does the like, um, I don't know, it was a time and a place. Don't really care. We've all moved on with our lives. I'm a... Um, My name's Madison. Fuck you. I, yeah, I'm a rich, successful doctor dude's wife now. So, you know, what happened in the past is irrelevant and kind of my life has benefited off the back of being the wife of like a dude bro frat guy. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I don't give a rat's ass about what happened in the past and you know, like, haha, everyone got a little raped. You should just cope with that and move on with your life. Wow. Um so then she just goes to a lunch with her in a in a hotel and gets her really drunk and then she's paid a guy to just um put her in a hotel bed once she's really drunk and um, sort of lie in the bed with her and then leave once she wakes up mm -hmm. so that she thinks she cheated on her husband. Mm. Um, and that sort of then turns around and she starts, you know, it, it's like a lesson learned and, oh, this is how shit happens and you accidentally end up in a sexual situation without intending to. Yeah. Oh, no, no, I, I feel for, yeah, okay. Yeah. Now um, that it's affected me, I want to raise money for this cause. Pretty much. Yeah. Um, and she also goes back to the like dean of admissions of the uni that they were at, mm. who was a woman, who says, like, you know, these were promising young men and we didn't want to um, risk their potential futures by um, discussing or doing anything because there was a rape case. Jesus Christ. Um, oh, so yes. what she does is she, um, basically pretend kidnaps this woman's daughter and says that she's taken her to her like underage daughter and has taken her to a, um, a music video recording. Yep. Yeah. With a bunch of like 
some some horny male boy band that the daughter's super interested in. So the woman thinks that basically her daughter's going to be gang banged by a bunch of yeah, stars, yeah, dudes. Um, and again, yeah. So it does the well. How does it feel when somebody you care about is the victim of this? All right, fine, I get it. Um, type of thing. Mm. But yeah, it, it it surprisingly subverts expectations, but not in a way that like movies use expectation subversion as a lazy like, oh, you didn't see that coming. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's justified by the plot. The 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 difference is the subversion comes from you realizing that she was way more smart and more calculated than you're expecting based on how the movie was sort of setting things up. Yeah, yeah. Because by day she sort of plays life out as like a she's just a barista that um you know her parents wish she'd move on and actually have a life as an adult, not just sort of be living like a college student for the rest of her life. See, and I'm already going towards like that. There must be like a certain section of society who watched this movie and thought, how like she's not a good character. She's entrapping all these. Like, yeah, she's using entrapment to to seek revenge. This isn't true revenge, sort of thing. Yeah, I'm I'm sure there is the oh, the fact is, that people yeah. could watch this and just criticize the looks of the actress involved. Yeah, is it's terrifying. Like, it proves the point of the entire yeah, fucking movie yeah. in the first place. Um, and yeah, she, she has like a, she's emotionally closed up, but Bo Burnham sort of turns up into her life and progressively, um, you know, breaks down her barriers and stuff. And there's a sort of the middle third of the movie almost changes gear and becomes a romantic comedy. Right. Okay. And you're like, something's coming. Something's coming. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then it keeps you going long enough that you go, hang on, is this just going to be about her actually finally learning to let go and that is the catharsis, not any sort of revenge trip? Yeah. Because even, like, the mother of her dead friend is like, just get a life. Like, you, I loved my daughter, you loved my daughter, but you can't just be a, a, an angry, sad teenager that feels guilty that you weren't able to stop her from killing herself for the rest of your life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she actually seems like she's she she has to cope with the guilt of I've found somebody and I'm happy now. Do I just let go? And yeah, she's sort of taken by the guilt of doing so. Mm. Um and then Alison Breeze after she explains to her that nah you like you're good, you didn't actually sleep with that guy in that hotel room. She's like, here's a his hey, I found like my cell phone from back then, and it's still got a video that was taken that night when your friend was gang raped. And she like sits on the video for a while, and then finally she decides to watch it on the old phone. And you see her watching it, and you see her like horror at what her friend has had happen to her. And then suddenly you hear like a door open, and then uh, Bo Burnham's voice comes on. Oh God! Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and you see her horror go from like just regular horror to like horror horror, and then suddenly she realizes that yeah he he was also present, and then it becomes like here's a character you've been taught to empathize with. He has turned his life around. 
he wasn't technically a part of it, but he did turn up and he was like, oh, guys, this is awful. But he also didn't try and stop it. And he's like, oh, come on. Like, you know, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a nice guy. I didn't, I didn't take part in it. Therefore, I'm I wasn't okay with it. But he was at the party drinking and watch. And um, she just instantly flipped, turns on him, and is like, nah, fuck it. I'm going deep down this rabbit hole. And she, um, you basically, and he also lies about knowing where she's gone to and lies about even knowing her to the police. So then there's like a double case of, at every turn, even as an adult, after they, he sort of tries to make the case that he's, he was a, loosely a party to a bad thing but he's turned his life around all of a sudden bam it's like well actually no even now when push comes to shove he's still like pretended to not know her and cheekily used the fact that he's like a pediatrician to try and yeah 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 pillar like of the community himself like out of it he's worse yeah 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 good lord and i mean i was gonna say like you can't cast bo burnham in a movie about a guy who definitely looks like he'd take rapes people <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's, it's pretty it's on the nose vibe. yeah it's they cast all the right looking people in this movie by the look of it yeah and the, the dude that did actually rape the friend at the party is um like the cocky one from the cocky vein one from new girl oh schmidt <laughs> No, wait, it's not Schmidt. Schmidt is the Schmidt best is friend. Yeah. Schmidt is the dude bro best friend that when his uh, best mate wakes up in the morning and they um, he's just been sitting on the bed all night staring mm. at the corpse of the stripper that he thought was going to kill him, so he murdered her. Mm. Um, oh, he's the bro that helps him clean it up. He's the bro that's like, it's all right, it's all right, it's all right. And, like His friend's just crying on his shoulder and he's got this creepy smile on his face like... um. Like he's so happy that his best friend needs him. Ah, right. So he's actually and the just entire playing like movie, the, the worst version of Schmidt possible. Anyway. Yeah, and the entire movie Holy does crap. this weird turn for like 10, 15 minutes mm. where it becomes the jokey comedy about we accidentally killed the hooker at the frat part at the um, stag do. Yeah, yeah. And like the and entire movie turns around and it becomes like the two friends bonding more over the killing of a, yeah. a stripper or the prostitute or whatever. Um, Which yeah, highlights that that sort of storyline yeah. or sort of movie is just... And that it absolutely terrible. exists and it has yeah. been done and we do consider that to be a funny comedy. Yeah. Like, Holy crap. You know, think about how recently the um, the Hangover movies were a thing. Yeah. Yeah. And like, whilst they didn't murder any hookers or anything like that it was still very like you know it, it was close to that vein and it was very that yeah sort of boys will be boys type shit oh, it's that dude bro humor yeah There's, like i think red blood media even talked about that though like hangover wasn't a comedy it was just a series of things designed to get those dude bro types to look at something and go now there's a tiger oh that's so funny it's like that's not a joke. It's yeah, yeah. It's it's that it's sort not a story. of um, that that yeah. They which they people rip on Todd Phillips a lot for. Which granted, I really liked his Joker movie, but mm. they do sort of rate him as very flat, heavy-handed person when it comes to selling ideas. Yeah, yeah. 
which I, I guess is kind of fair. Which, yeah, first part of the Joker was definitely that. It's, uh... But if you... Um, I definitely... The thing I thought about that Joker is if you are willing to actually think... Uh, if you... So if you, you know I am not. People I'm... that have bad mental illness and stuff, that movie's quite painful to watch. Yeah, yeah. Like, um, it, it's, it's what sold it for me. It's like, this is awful. Just, it's just misery. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, much like, have you ever seen Silver Linings Playbook? Yeah. 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 If you're, if you, that, that is a movie that is like, oh, mental illness is kind of quirky and funny. But if you watch that from a perspective with at least some understanding of the real struggles of mental illness, that movie is dark as fuck. Yeah. It's like, it's, it's, yeah. It's, it, yeah. It's there's there's a whole um, subgenre of mental illness is the framework of the story, but if you don't actually have any perspective on what that's like, it becomes you get sucked into the charisma of the fact that these are actors. Yeah, much like um, what's the one Garden State. Yeah, yeah. Um, like, uh, Natalie Portman is not somebody you sh- in that movie you should get into a relationship with. And I don't mean that as a as a knock against people with mental illnesses, but she she Not had healthy. a lot of ground she needed to cover before she is a safe person to like sort of bet half your life on. Yeah. Um, much like he did himself when he was the entire movie was implying that coming off um coming off meds is a is a way to find yourself which is terrifying oh shit but it's fine because um with a soundtrack um soundtrack like handpicked by the director of like indie uh yeah feel goodery pop funky type music uh uh that's all you remember of it you just get the nostalgia vibes of watching that movie yeah and like the you go back to your hometown and you hang out in the mansion that the kid that made some sort of Velcro owns. And it's just like skate park in the middle of a giant family room types of bullshit. Yeah. Yeah. It's, oh. it's, it's a surprisingly whimsical depression movie that seemingly intentionally glazes over the fact that there's a lot of real problems going on there. Hmm. Also, Which, to be you... fair, that's usually how depression presents itself in quite a few people, especially uh, considering these are movies uh, by like creatives and writer types and people who don't have any Zach other way Braps to express the their world. feelings. Yeah, the Zach Braffs of the world. Yeah, um, no, that's a good um, title for like a a weird <laughs> early two thousands indie pop album, <laughs> the Zach Braffs of the world. Uh, the whimsical depression of the Zach Braffs of the world. Yeah. yeah. And that was that notion called the Manic Pixie Dream Girl. Yeah. <laughs> Manic Pixie Zach Braff Girl. Um, what was my other point from that? That, uh, yeah, also, considering it was basically a journey into the um, heart of darkness of the Midwest, there was surprisingly minimal meth use. Ah. <laughs> Should have been way more meth. Oh yeah, it's got like a skinny blonde in it. 
that's that's Hollywood's de- uh, idea of somebody who who takes drugs, right? Yeah. Have you ever seen there and was a? Bond, um, you know, I'm I'm talking about Bo Burnham when I talk about. <laughs> but the gas. Um, have you ever heard of? I, I'm pretty sure you've seen at least one of them. But that um, what's it called? This is not happening. Uh, the 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 YouTube TV show of comedians telling like stories oh, yes. yeah, that yeah, seriously yeah. escalate. Um, so there's a female book. comedian that talks about her sort of, I think, seven years of meth addiction. Yeah, and okay. Like, um, oh, yeah, it's Ari Shafir's show. That's yeah, yeah, it was Ari Shafir's show until Comedy Central basically kicked him off it. Replaced him with Roy Wood and Jr. And replaced him with Ray Wood Jr. Mm. And I don't know that Ari gets along with Roy Wood Jr. as a result of, I think, Ray Jones Jr. I get the sense that he like, could have stuck up for him and didn't because it was a career move. Mm. But I, I don't know. I do know that basically all comedians say Comedy Central is terrible because it's run by a bunch of hedge fund dude bros who think they know what is funny and don't listen to comedians. Yeah. And I mean, you just look at the um, the... Uh, like the earlier iterations of that show where it's Ari Shafir does drugs and uh, TJ Miller has a seizure and like it's yeah. all these really um, nightclub it's kind too, of comedians. It's all slightly too real. Yeah, Tom Segura overdoses. Like it's all, um, yeah, those nightclub level um, stand-up comics who mm. um, probably have pretty good lives but still just found their their way into just drugs and terrible life life choices. Yeah. I mean, it, it it further cements the idea that, as well, that like all stand-ups are in some way horrifically fucked up. Yep. But I, I guess that probably goes without saying, right? Yeah, like the Roy Wood Jr. season. By the look of it, he's in like every fourth episode as somebody who's telling his own story. So really. Yeah, but Ari Shafir kind of did that as well with the earlier ones. Like, he's got a bit where he talks about... Yeah, Ari Ari would tell his own stories every so often. They're almost exclusively about mushrooms. Um, Oh, yeah, okay. That's all he did is he took over that sort of approach. Yeah, but... Like, Ari invented the... It conceptually, it was like, it's not stand-up sets. It's specifically telling stories. That was sort of his point of difference. He got a specific bar in Los Angeles, that one with a, it's got like the central stage with a stripper mm. pole on it. And, um, and it you notice basically before. season one is exclusively his click of friend, New York comedian friends. Yeah. People like um, Big Jay Okerson and other Andrew. names who I can't think of right now. Basically the, the who's who of who gives a fuck on guests from the Joe Rogan podcast. Brick yeah, well, they're, and, they're all the people that... Um, uh, like oh. the so, are you familiar with Legion of Skanks? Yeah. That that Legion of Skanks basically is all the mostly white male comedians who are um, successful in their own right, but not quite at that household name level. And yeah, most of them have at least some peripheral relationship to Rogan because they're all. Mm. Uh, they're all New York 
comedians traditionally. Yeah. Because um, um, it had two decent, like it had two full seasons of um, of the show before season one was even a show. Yeah. Yeah. Back when it was just this was not happening presents one crazy night and then fisticuffs which yeah and they always had good openings with that um that song by what's it called um run the it's it's a instrumental run the jewels track and it would yeah, always yeah. feature like ari getting killed or abducted by aliens or yeah. and those then um those tie into the the content of the show so all the, the there's a running theme through everyone's stories. But yeah, um, even though we're tangenting further and further out from what I was originally trying to talk about, um, are you aware Legion of Skanks gets linked to alt-rightness? I mean, that makes sense. It's it's a group of very angry New York comedians. Like, yeah, and their, their major fan base is kind of the, the sort just, of white nerdy borderline juggalo-ish kind of white trashy crowd um though i would argue that the guy who's technically in charge or at least like the conciliator of it all is a puerto rican dude (laughs) (laughs) but that's that's not to say that that dude doesn't harbor some seriously questionable values yeah um He's he's usually the first to yell out that, um, yeah he 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 is hard to not accuse of being a bit of a rape apologist sometimes. Jesus, but that's that's more because he's, you know, just on the cusp of that. But but what's the actual context here beyond just the story that the media is running with? Mm-hmm. Uh, but also he is slightly. All his friends kind of just run back to the fact that he's Puerto Rican as an excuse for that. <laughs> um, he doesn't know any better. He's stateless. Yeah. As uh, it was on Ari's podcast the other day, he was talking about him and he's like, he's always told me his mum's a whore. It was only recently I realized he actually meant it. His mum was a prostitute. I thought he was just telling me his mum takes mad dick. No, he actually meant his mum's a prostitute. Oh, uh, shit. Awesome. Yeah. Um, what was I talking about? What are we here to talk about? It wasn't even that. It was. Um, it wasn't that. Gods and, mon- Gods and Monsters. Love and Monsters. Love and Monsters. Um, nice little, I suspect, a COVID movie. I thought you were talking about Dylan O'Brien. He's, he's nice. He's little. <laughs> And he carries this movie, the guy from the... You know, it's the oh, the yeah, yeah, yeah. He's one of those fully grown about five, six people. Yeah. Um, no, he... It's... It's one of those nice, simple adventure movies that... Yeah. Just works. That lays down enough groundwork that you're like, I wouldn't mind, like, an animated series of this to continue so that you yeah. could, learn, could learn more about the monsters. Yeah, and it... it Granted, I think it took its plotline from Fallout Three. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> yeah, true. It's got he's the dog. He's literally David. reading the Wasteland Survival Guide from Fallout Three. That's true, and he's using um, very uh, light touch weaponry to be able to do that. Um, there's a uh, yeah, there's a dog that is basically uh, dog, dog meat. meat. Um, um, there's 
yeah yeah all the improvised weaponry the fact that you're fighting um what is sort of implied to be radioactive giant bugs and things yeah um i a cool concept though that they yeah. they tried to I, fuck up a meteor and it rained like nuclear fire down on the world and turned all the cold-blooded creatures into yeah yeah interesting Which... distinction too because you like you think of all the different things where it's like now blank is a monster now blank is a monster yeah um and you're always like, well, how do they eat blank still? And why is that dog still normal? Whereas this is just like, dogs are good, cows are good, don't worry about it, but... But bugs, lizards, crabs. Lizards, crabs, everything, snail. it just... Yeah. yeah. And, um... Yeah, it's, it's simple, it's concise. Everything you expect to pay off does. Mm-hmm. Like he follows the um, dog into that river at that one point. I was just like, don't go in the fucking river. Don't go in the fucking river that you don't want to. And then I was like, you know, I would expect you go into a river. There's going to be, yep, leeches. Yep. <laughs> like it, it just, it's it's predictable in the best way where things are predictable. You know, some things well, are it's... literally predictable. Some things seem predictable because they've effectively set things up which is what movies are supposed to do. Well, it plays on the fact that we as an audience are used to these sorts of movies and yes. we know we would know better because we're the types of fucking nerds who, A, watch this movie and watch this type of movie that if this was to ever happen to us, we would know better or we would think we did. Yeah. I mean, in uh, real life, we'd probably just be afraid of everything because we amalgamate all the different um, creative premises we've seen. And it's like, well, that's going to be dangerous and that's yeah. going to be dangerous. <laughs> Um, what was the other thing I was going to say? That my biggest criticism was that his crossbow was exceptionally weak, and then it wasn't in the moment when he actually had to shoot something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. His crossbow could barely shoot a bolt like ten meters, and then when he kills something instantly with a shot. Yeah, but there was, they actually made a crossbow that fired that would be slow enough that it could be caught on camera, and he could shoot something with it for the sake of a scene. So I don't, I'm not shooting on that. That. It just made me laugh. And I do like the fact that he, based on his own lack of experience with any of that sort of thing, him handling grenades just seems so cavalier. Like, he yeah. doesn't actually know the impact of throwing that sort of shit around. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, and um... But no one else used grenades in that movie except he, him. It's just like, you really want to be doing that. That's what does like, a grenade if... actually do? Do we know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I do like th those who are really good at surviving. Um, you know, they, they bring it, these things look insane and chaotic and just pure um, fucking Lovecraftian, uh, like undefeatable. But mm. now we're humans. We'll work out how to kill everything at some point. Yeah. Um, and and also the turn of actually some them. of this some of this shit doesn't have to be. Like some of them aren't actually violent; they're just scary looking. So we assumed that. Well, yeah. If you scale up a crab, of course it's going to be terrifying. Any, um, I, I, I was going to say, any criticisms, of, criticisms of it. I, I knew something was going to happen with um the girl at the end, like it wasn't going to work or something. But I spent the whole movie, you know how at the start he finds the dog in a trailer that is very clearly like set up for a woman? 
Mm, yeah. And they seem to intentionally that. sell that, that it's yeah. like the dog loves the dress and stuff. Yeah. I thought, and I wonder whether they changed this at some point during production, I thought that he was going to meet his old girlfriend at the end of the movie. She wasn't going to... Like, they just weren't going to have any chemistry anymore. Yeah. And that was kind of something they had to accept, that after seven years, maybe that would happen now that they're adults versus kids. Mm. And then he would sort of leave on his way, and, and at the end, he'd just run into some girl that was also wandering through the wastes who happened to be the owner of the dog. Yeah, yeah. Because um, I'm surprised it, it didn't do that, that normal trope where... Um... You know, he would have bumped into that girl at some point after finding her dog, uh, and is so still hell bent on finding this other girl that he doesn't realize that the girl he's been wanting to to yes, to... that was my other assumption, and she'd become his sidekick at some point, and they yeah. both work together to survive. And yeah, she'd she'd be really emotionally invested in him. He's entirely driven by this girl he remembers. Yeah, yeah, that you're right. That was actually on my belief list as uh... well. To the point where there was no payoff. Now that now that we actually bring that back up and analyze it, there was no payoff for um why why the dog wanted that dress to be kept. Yeah, it um yeah, it just genuinely didn't go anywhere. Like there was no. I like the fact that yeah, there's always going to be a series like a such a deeply rooted history that you're never going to understand in that sort of world because people die, <laughs> you don't get closure. Um, yeah. With so much of the stuff that you end up finding, um, but yeah, they could have at least addressed that component of it that you're not going to get that sort of closure. This dog yeah. is cl- clearly waiting for somebody to come back who is not going to come back. Or you literally stole this person's dog when she was going out to do something else. Um, she's still alive. What, what did you do? You might have just um, doomed her to dying sort of thing because she no longer has her dog. Yeah. It, again, just like a... If it, if it was like a TV show, that could have been... Yeah, it like, felt like a really long pilot. Like if that was the first season mm. of a show, like we got bookended with him learning how to be who he is and then getting to the beach and saving the day that would could have been an entire first season but yeah you just litter it with more interesting stuff in between rather than just having about 15 minutes worth of um merle from the walking dead and um really well equipped 10 year old who knows what she's doing because this is the only life she's ever known yeah um, so with that in mind at the oh shit have i just lost my train of thought um, at the Always end of that, look. at the end of that, did you think that they, because it was sort of implied that they were going to go their separate ways and then, because they, you know, once they both work together to save the day, they're suddenly hot for each other again and the passion reignites. Yeah. Do they... Was it implied that they were then going to like she was going to come back after him as in they did want to be together or no? No. Or was it just they, intentionally like left up in the air? I think it's intentionally left up, up in the air that they're both clearly on two separate paths and those paths just need to continue in whatever direction they're heading in. Um, because she that. said like, you know, stay alive, keep in touch and I'll come after you next time. Yeah. 
oh, and yeah, then they make out and go their separate ways. So I was sort of thinking, like, I just, I didn't have any particular opinion either way, but it did feel like they should have um, opened up their marriage. I think that's basically <laughs> what it implied. Yeah, pretty much. No, but they, um, it should have sold me one way or the other as to what was going to happen. Right. Yeah, after the credits, it, it it sort of stopped short of giving you a, a closure on that, or I couldn't effectively understand the closure that it was trying to give me, which I'm going to blame on the storytelling, not myself. Because yeah. we got closure on where all the characters were at the end, but we never understood why they were positioned where they were and what relationship they were all holding with each other, even the old guy and, and small girl found that new were set up on a mountain it was um, the implication everyone was supposed to slowly follow them or what yeah that's what i was thinking but it wasn't clear enough no right. yeah but i guess the their implication is we laid out the road by yeah. teaching him what we knew and he will yeah. eventually come to the same conclusion and do the same thing yeah. but again that that's slightly too lofty for what was going on in the movie yeah, and it's like all well and good to set up humans in this area uh, who have some sort of um, alignment. They're all on the same side. They're all mm. they will all work together, but they'll all go off and just do their own thing. They're all they're all their own main characters. God damn it! <laughs> yeah, no, it, it, I I don't know whether it was gonna um, create some sort of. I don't know, did you get a sense it wanted to like create more movies or something? I mean, yeah, nothing leaves movies, itself. Movies or TV series or something. It's all Netflix, right? So they can do whatever the fuck they want with it. Yeah, well, probably it's... will put out an animated version of it. And like, even the Zack Snyder movie that's got the, the new um, zombie of movie the dead. of the dead, that is the Army of the Dead, um, yeah. comes equipped with a full R18 animated. Uh, TV series to go with it. Why not? Yeah. Because they can. Um, yeah, but all in all, pretty good. I just want to see more of it. Mm. Um, um, on from that, another very quaint movie, not actually a COVID movie, a little bit older than that, but something that definitely is in our realm of film. I know I hadn't watched it till now. It was something I peripherally knew about, but never really got round to. Have you seen The Vast of Night? Nope. It's it's an Amazon Prime movie made by them for them, posted on their own streaming service. So it's set in like the late 50s, and it's about a... I'm already reading it, and I'm like, oh, that sounds so fucking cool. One Night in New Mexico, late 1950s, switchboard operator, strange frequency. Okay, I'm in. Yeah. Yeah. So, um... Also, possibly one of the best character intros I've ever seen in a movie. Um, so there, there's two main characters. There's the switchboard girl who's the is the main character. And then the other person is a hey, dude. You son of a bitch. Like, I'm reading the IMDb page for it, and the one bit of connection, like, the thing that I scrolled down to and started reading was featured in half in the bag. I'm like, hey, god damn it. 
Is that why you're talking about this? Did you learn about this movie from a Half in the Bag episode? Um, I knew about it before I saw it on Half in the Bag, but I saw the Half in the Bag episode, and it was a, if I remember, it was a split conclusion where Jay really liked it. Yeah. And, or maybe it was the other way around. That, that, that's the best part about Half in the Bag is Jay and Mike don't agree most of the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Jay but doesn't, Jay likes... Um, they don't let it just let the conversation fizzle out either. It just... Yeah, and, but Jay is more into more the douchey, like, film nerds movies. Yeah, yeah. Whereas Mike is arguably more of a critic in general, but Mike respects mainstream shit done well way more than jay does yeah yeah so you yeah. end up with a really good balance between the film nerdiness and um the just so, good movies are good and film, should be the, viewed that way the everyman critic yeah yeah the fact that they're yeah, always wearing like um tradesman uniforms while they do their show too yeah yeah, yeah. um also i don't know about you but i always identified with them because they're film nerds, but they have like tradesman capabilities because they grew up in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. in an like, era as well where you had to physically hardwire your, uh, your like your audio, your AV equipment had yeah. had to actually require certain skill set. Yep, but it's like you know we, which we kind of got the tail end yeah. of at uni and high school, but like barely. It's oh, purely but, because but, we went to we went to a media studies class that was. Basically, oh, I didn't even do media studies, but yeah, no, but like um, the media studies class in our era of going to high school was oh, this room that has all this old equipment in that no one wants, but we can't get rid of because it's yeah. so technically, um, like the cost of it was so high at the time we bought it, we can't just sell it, yeah. Uh, and it kind of so, was here's a DVD player and there's some DVDs going nuts, yeah. But we're also like, what about all of this other gear that's around us? And they're like, eh, yeah, eh. but you know, we. We always had a mind to production design. Like I, you know, yeah. we we didn't grow up. I mean, we didn't grow so, up. Yeah. No, but if if we, you know, if we grew up in even just Auckland or Wellington, we would have had access to actual and, studios, <laughs> actual sorry? internships, actual yes. studios, actual internships. Yep. Yes, we we would have actually been able to leave high school with an understanding of how to get access to those industries, and by being people that were interested in that, we probably would have gone straight towards it. Yep. Whereas we grew up in bumfuck nowhere. Mm-hmm. Um. But yeah, like I've never tried. I could probably weld something. I can build shit. I can. So it's like you you just arbitrarily have production design skills mm. by nature of being in a more old school, more rural upbringing. Yep. Yeah. Um, like, and we just knew how around. to play with a camera the second I first picked one up. But yeah. I've also had to fucking run cows from A to B. <laughs> <laughs> we, we, neither of us grew up on farms or anything like that. And, but we aren't that far from it. Yeah. It's all of that stuff just makes sense to me. Right? It's yeah, yeah. I'd never want like we never wanted to get sh- into it. Never wanted to get into it because we're like, as soon as we get into this, this becomes our life, and uh, we, we, we just need to, we just need to leave this town. Let's just yeah. get really good at leaving places. 
<laughs> and never going back. And I feel like that's something we've perfected. <laughs> Thanks, bumfuck nowhere. You really yeah. taught us how to how to emotionally disengage. How to burn something down and then move on. <laughs> how to emotionally disengage and physically just act like you never existed. Yeah. So if not for um if not for the creative industries, we could also probably be really good. Um like faceless government drones. Oh wait. Um I was gonna say, who are you calling a faceless government drone? <laughs> uh shit. You 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 tell faceless government drones how to better be successful faceless government drones. Yeah. And I'm just the corporate equivalent of the same thing. You're just like, hey, hang on a second, guys. You've taken the face off this government drone. You, what you need is a is a non-government drone. Yeah, no, I, I'm the guy that says, what do you mean faces? No, get some robots in there. That's what I mean. It's like, let's build an artificial face and put it on front of <laughs> in front of this government drone. Oh shit, synergy. What? Human, no, digital human, digital human capability. Exactly. Uh... Um, but. So it's it's my type of sci-fi slash, I won't call it a horror movie, but it arguably moves like a horror movie. Um, it's you can tell this was shot to feel like the fifties, and it intentionally moves the camera in ways that don't. Now now I'm just self-conscious about hitting um and unintentionally hitting red letter media talking points. Yeah. <laughs> um, but they, they um, did, I think, hit the nail on the head. Like, you get the sense that this is trying to set up like a series of Twilight Zone movies. Yeah, yeah. Because it, it it doesn't open as just the movie The Vastness of Night. It opens up as something else, and it's like slowly zooms in on like a 60s TV screen, and then The Vastness of Night... Um, logo comes up like it's starting an old tv show in black and white on like a fallout looking mm. television does it have that those vibes of like those early 2000s um alien miniseries that steven spielberg would pump out or like something that was produced by steven spielberg because it has that kind of love letter to 1950s america so, featuring television and radio i remember turning to charlotte while we were watching it and saying this movie it would be so hard not to inadvertently shoot it like a um, Spielberg movie. Mm. That was what I said. Yeah. Um, because subject matter, characters, children, like, yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's so hard, especially when like people are, you know, you get like sudden realizations and people on um, sort of semi manic. I've worked out what's happening now. I need to run to the next story beat. Yeah, yeah. Like it's it's so just just even just making a movie that's not a horror movie about aliens is really hard not to make it Spielbergian. Yeah, because he's he's locked he's that already down. Covered he, that. Yeah, he perfected it. What else can be what else can be told about that by people who weren't alive in that era? Yeah, and I think that would have happened more if this wasn't such a tight budget movie. Yeah. So it's got lots of really cool, almost like, I want to say remote control car drone shots where the, the camera just sits really low to the ground and flies to the next scene with in a different character, but in real time from location to location across this town. That's really cool. Yeah. It, it doesn't 
feel like it serves much of a purpose though which is a bit goofy but mm. um they just wanted to see if but it gives you a it. sense of place and time and but yeah. the, the camera is always quite low to the ground or it's quite low depth of field or there's a lot of light bloom and you know like maybe car exhaust smoke keeping you very very close to the characters that are talking mid-shot and giving you very little else to look at whilst peppering the scenes with like Maybe it's, an it's, old sign or characters in 50s costume or a couple of 50s era cars. So you're always given the sense that you're in the 50s, but you're never allowed to see, like, like the entire thing happens one evening too. Yeah, so you're never nothing, allowed no to see. Yeah. No. Yeah. Um, and even, like, you know, wherever you see lights, like the ones strung over the main street of the town and stuff like that as you move down the main street, mm. it's got that um, America looks like this in a lot of places now. So yeah, all yeah. we've done is used really blown out lighting to make it hard to really focus on anything in particular. So just, we you feel back like the you're in the 50s. Exist. Yeah, we just brought back the types of light bulbs that existed back then to light everything and yeah. made everything look like it was from this era and we used them. So now it just looks like we went back in time. Yeah. And um, but the, the, this, the other weird thing is it's... It's adherence to the way the 50s would have been in New Mexico mm. socially makes you feel slightly weird, but there are reasons it's like that in the movie. Like the fact that she's 16 and he's somewhere between probably 18 and 24, mm. and they still feel like they could become a couple. Right, okay. <laughs> and it's it's like, but also like, you know, when he's had enough of her bullshit, he basically just yells at her to shut up, and she does. Yeah, yeah. And it's it's that weird disconnect of, if I put myself into a 50s mindset, I think these two would end up married at some point. Mm. But I'm well aware that he's older than her. I'm well aware that she's underage. I am simultaneously can't cope with the way he yells at her but also I recognize that in the context of the era when a man tells you to shut up, that's what you're expected to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it, so it's, you're getting all this weird, and like she has a conversation with her mum about, so the entirety of the night, the reason the town is so um, desolate and that they're the only people paying attention to this to the point where they can't even call the cops when shit gets weird is because the town has a basketball game going on that everybody's emotionally invested in. So her and the radio guy are two of the very few people in town who are actually present in the town and not just at the high school's auditorium. Right, okay. Which is sort of a... And it, it serves a purpose in the sort of lore of alien stuff too, where, like, you know, shit only ever seems to get weird when it's opportune. To the point where it almost seems like it's like maybe the aliens orchestrate everyone being shoved in a room so that they can fuck with everyone else type of thing. Yeah, yeah. Huh. Um, but yeah, her, she goes home to see her mum briefly. And no, she goes to the switchboard where her mum is working and like takes over for the evening yeah. to work through the night while her mum does something else. But her mum asks her how the two teams are looking. And she says to her mum that like yeah there's there's some indians on the other team who even though they're high school boys they look like they're fully grown so like i'm a bit worried 
And it was it was just so weird that she's like portrayed as this cool, rambunctious young woman in the fifties. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But she still just implied that like that that classic racist concept of um kids that aren't white seem fully grown at very young ages. Yeah, yeah. And it was just like <laughs> the weird disconnect of that is probably logically appropriate to what her a kid from New Mexico in the fifties would say and think and think there's nothing wrong with that yeah but it's an inherently bigoted statement coming from the main character who you're supposed to like and identify with Mm. and i don't i'm now i'm not somebody who thinks that you should just whitewash all the which whitewash is an ironic word to use but um just clean up history in historical movies for the sake of it but I also think that that didn't really add anything to the plot, so it was kind of weird. You sound quite white hurt about that. I'm just no, no I'm I'm uh, <laughs> virtue signalling is what I'm yeah, doing. No, no. <laughs> uh, yeah, we yeah. came full circle just being back and but white, but white hurt jokes. But white, but white hurt, uh, but, but white, white hurt because but sore. Uh, um, but the it, it sort of comes back into it because it's what it's therefore is to try and set the scene that racism is a thing in this time period mm. to then justify the trepidation of the character that calls up the radio station and tells his story of being a part of a cleanup UFO crash cleanup crew for the Air Force. Gotcha. Um, because, I mean, you can, you, you, you can tell by the way he talks, but also um, he sets it up like, you know, I'm kind of scared to talk about this because I'm black, but also and the and the radio host is like, yeah, we've just never had a black caller before. Mm. <laughs> and the um and the fact that like the Air Force by the dude's assumption used black and Mexican people to clean up the um crash site specifically because they nobody in society would listen to them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. But to set up the racism using the main character speaking something racist is an uh, odd way to do it. Usually you'd have a third party do it so that you get the satisfaction of knowing that your main character isn't doesn't necessarily time. connect yeah. with those trends. Yeah, he's the main character because he isn't just of the times. He's He's... He's someone the the modern audience can yeah, relate to. Yeah, like than, like he, yeah. like she may exist in the fifties, but she's not a fifties girl type of thing. So that yeah. you get to go well, at least by investing emotionally in this girl, I'm not being racist by association type of thing. Most yeah. movies would do that, um, but like her, like the 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 radio host dude even asks her like, "What do you plan to do after you finish school?" Mm. And she's like, "Well, I'm I've." I know how to operate a switchboard, so I figure I'll just move to the city and work and pick a switchboard. <laughs> and like that—that that is her genuine life plan. Yeah. And he's like, well, "What about college? You're pretty smart." And she's like, "I don't got money for college." He's like, "You could get a gr- uh, loan or something." And she's like, "Nah, I think that's stupid." But it's just, yeah, like again, just selling the, but. You, I also realized that was specifically to try and sell the idea of her having a future because this movie ends with both main characters and the baby sister 
of hers i think that she's holding getting abducted and never coming back mm. <laughs> um but yeah predominantly the movie is is a series of um interviews is that what it plays off like? like yeah, so first for the start, she's at the switchboard and here's a weird signal coming through. Yeah. And while she's at the switchboard, most of her interactions with people with people are over the phone as she's working as an operator. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So first she hears a weird sound. Um, then she gets a call from somebody who's like kind of sounds distraught and yelling a bit, and the same mm. sound is coming through around that woman and she's saying like something's in the sky. Right, and then the phone cuts off. Then she calls the radio station with the dude she'd been talking to earlier, um, who it's kind of set up that she's interested in him by way of him knowing about audiovisual stuff because she's just bought herself like a microphone and recording unit, mm. and he teaches her how to use it and how to like interview people in this big sort of running slow, slow shot where. Both of their characters are being introduced by way of them running around with a tape recorder in the good old 50s when everyone in the small town's friendly and talks to each other and they just walk up to random people and put the microphone in their faces and ask them questions and stuff. Mm -hmm. And he tries to bring her out of her shell and teach her how to interview people because he has radio station skills and she kind of fancies that. Right. Then he sort of attempts to foster it in there whilst, yeah, like I said before, she doesn't really have much in the way of expectations or dreams for the future um but yeah they first they talk to the black guy over the radio on like yeah live radio while she's listening in from the switchboard where she's connected the two of them together then they go and talk to this old lady calls him up and says she's experienced it they go to a house and she talks about um her son that got kidnapped and no one's ever believed her and she's been a shut-in and like her life sucks basically. And then they realize at the end of the conversation that she thinks they are aliens in human form talking to her. Oh, fuck. Uh, and she's written down this weird, like translation of the words, the aliens spoke or something that would always make her son just like zone out and look at the roof and just stare. Yeah. 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 And it works um, on them too. No, it, would, it it um so they they end up with a recording of her saying that they keep bumping into throughout the night this couple in a car who are like obsessed with what's going on and genuinely weirded out and i think from out of town so they have no connection to the basketball game right um so they're just driving around like and the, every so often they'll bump into each other and it's like what's happening and they're like i don't know what have you heard i don't know we heard this and and it, this movie does a lot of like um, chaotic back and forths where there's too much detail going in and you can't really understand who's talking to who, but what you're more meant to get is just the experience of them all being hopped up and scared. Yeah, yeah. Um, huh. Which, do you remember that movie we watched about the guys with the time machine? It was just uh, like a box that they crawled into and then they started running the risk of getting murdered by like thems from the future. Yeah, it's like often it's, it's that same thing. the best, um, the tightest use of time travel in any film. Yeah, um, and the the dude that made that is was extremely well respected for that movie specifically. Then he made a weird movie called Upstream Color, 
which was about like seemingly about like an a weird alien invasion by um animorphs ear slugs but also involved like if somebody sh- like i think a person could make their face glow and if you saw it it like explained everything to you but also it was like a weird contagion that was killing the guy it was very strange uh. Primer, that's the movie. Primer, primer, yeah. It's it's got that similar primer thing where you have three or four characters all talking really quickly, kind of over top of each other, mm. and you'll only glom onto bits of what's being said, but you won't realize at the time that what you're able to glom onto is all you really needed from the scene. The rest of it was just body language, tone, and 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 like the the energy going on. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, they end up finding. After they come out of the old lady's house, they run across that couple again who are just like, we've heard there's something floating on the edge of town. Uh, so they all get in the car together, drive out there, and he's like talking about what he's what they've seen and what the old lady taught them. And then he plays back her creepy words and it makes both the couple in the car like go numb and stare at the roof. Oh, wow. While they're driving okay. it like you know, high speed, speed on, a, on a highway. Yeah, yeah, almost yeah. run into a truck. Um, which I like that that plays on the um you know the the classic abduction story of a couple driving along in small yeah. town America yeah absolutely and then, yeah and um it with the conversation with the old lady it starts to feel like it gets a little too far into um like she's laying down law yeah. Um, like, you know, the aliens, maybe they do this for this reason. Maybe they just want to fuck with us. Have you ever noticed that they'll, like, guide everyone into the auditorium and only leave a few people out? And those few people are the ones that seem to get fucked with by the aliens. Are they maybe controlling our whole government? What's the <laughs> deal? Um, but but it double back, so it doubles back on that by, yeah, she thinks that the main characters are aliens. So then you're like, oh, okay, this lady's crazy. Yeah. But she's not really crazy. But it... it it's one of those movies that intentionally leaves you with a bit of a is it or isn't it type of situation until they yeah run into a field and then you're like um, no it so, was you, you guys yeah. are fucked yeah they run away from the couple after they get out of the car the little girl just sprints away because they almost got killed in a car accident and she has a very normal reaction to that but also runs into a field potentially towards an alien spaceship oh no um the the dude runs after her, comforts her for a bit, then they both look at the ground and notice that it's all charred, and then they look up and see that the forest above them's got like a circular-shaped hole cut through it where something had landed and then left again. Yeah, yeah. Jeez. Then they look into the distance, see a spaceship, and then the spaceship just sort of flies over them and like sort of the... You start to hear wind whipping everywhere and then just it fades to black and that's the end of the movie. Oh, right. Okay. Um, so it's it's very the journey, like, not the destination. Yeah, exactly. It's it's very mm. creeping. It's very experiential. I think at the end of the Red Letter Media thing, they said they sort of wished at the end it didn't really have the like bam, there's an alien because it didn't need it. Yeah, it could have just ended with um some yeah. Well, it could have done it in several other shades of interesting and haunting yeah. sort of thing. It, it, mm. But yeah, ostensibly, this movie is almost like um, you could get away with experiencing it as a podcast, and it would probably be just as powerful. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, which as well made me realize thinking back to like that horror movie. Do you remember Session Nine? Mm-hmm. Um, I remember. Yeah. yeah. Now we're now, now we're getting into it. Yeah. 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 Similarly, the use of eerie recordings and people's reactions while listening to them is a very mm-hmm. underutilized horror technique. Um, and to the point where, like, I would argue a very effective sort of, especially in COVID times, horror movie would just be a series of interviews with people who have experienced something. And yeah, it's much like this movie did, but with a horror focus. Yeah. And then maybe, you know, at the end, the characters try and visit the location where there was the supposed haunting or whatever. And it just sort of, yeah, same thing maybe leave it a little up in the air as to what happens at the end. But yeah, the journey is important, not the destination. The the eeriness, the use of sound, the use of big pauses, the use of characters leaning in on something, trying to understand exactly what they're hearing and your ability to read their expressions as a way to um, understand how you should be feeling about what you're hearing. Like, yeah, and the thing is, with those low kind of budget horror movies, they struggle with um, creating the right level of atmosphere without having any because they don't have any money to build any like big set pieces and things. Yeah, um, you need really good soundscape and mm. tense. And like the the fact that you're framing this around a radio, um, a switchboard kind of operation, is a really good way to keep tying things back into being like really tight, close. Um, terrified, like just the idea of sitting on a pair of headphones and listening to terrifying sounds. Yeah, um, is a cool thing to to film and watch. Yeah, strangely enough. Yeah. Um, and there are large tracks of this movie where you can barely see anything. Yeah. Well, which is cool because I mean, again, like yeah, you know, like you said, if it works really well, it could work really well as a podcast or a an audio um, story that your mind fills in a lot of the blanks when you're. When exactly. you can't see too much and you just start to create that sort of Which, shit is way better i love those sorts of experiences way too. more than just being told what to look at like um i still love the movie um right at your door that's it's the frick guy from um or frick or whatever his name was from what's that movie called um 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 um, 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 um Scanner Darkly. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Rory Cochran. Yeah, yeah, the, Rory uh, Cochran. The cockroach so dude. Yeah. yeah. So it's Rory Cochran at home. Uh, he and his wife are on the outer. Mm. And there's a terrorist attack. I've seen that. Yeah, 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 yeah. City just across sort of the river from him. Yeah. Where his wife is. And it's like, you know, he, he quarantines himself as the radio tells him to. His wife comes by. He, like, r- helps her as much as he can, but refuses to just straight up let her in to, mm. despite her frustration. Um, and then at the end, the government comes and, like, basically gasses him because turns out by following all the instructions, he actually... Um, hotboxed his house and created a variation of the virus that was way worse than the one that was just existing out in the wild. So they needed to shut him. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. I do remember that. Yeah. Um, 
and it was a classic case of you're you're experiencing the movie not through the literal seeing of events but through watching him freak out and try and cope and same with the other characters around him so you're forever just given this sense of unease and this wonderment of what's going on Mm. um and i yeah i I really love movies that do that effectively but i get that some people hate them because they're very sort of blue balls the movie yeah um or yeah just we didn't we we spent all the money getting the people in the room sort of yeah. the movie so we've had to write around a lot of this sort of stuff yeah um, and you don't want it to descend into like a um it's all telling and no showing yeah yeah but you you just have to choose how you show things rather than yeah like literally turning it into a, a an actor just sitting there listening to a news report i think signs did a really good version of that at a with that kind of higher level approach like you saw fuck all in that movie nothing happened until like the last yeah. 10 minutes um but what it did is it teased you at the start and said no these things definitely exist there's definitely shit out there here's video footage of this shit happening uh now cool let's go watch this quiet um farm family uh experience this without experiencing it yeah and i would even argue that um you could probably do signs even better without that weird last scene. Yeah, I agree. I mean, the, the entire movie sets it up, but um, I don't know whether you ever needed to show the monster just straight front on like they did beyond just that initial, um, yeah, the, the, the driveway shot. The driveway shot and then the, the shot that, again, haunts me to my bones because I never saw it the first several times I watched that movie was the, yeah, alien, the, lingering on the roof. Shot, alien on the roof lingering shot like the fuck I we, never saw that until yeah like the fifth time I watched that we movie. were clearly like we clearly came through at an era when we were watching on TVs that were too small too shitty yes. or too dark or, we or watching watched it, it on a too, rented VHS or we're watching it um, on a plasma screen with uh, during the daytime, so you couldn't actually see what the fuck was happening in some of those moments. That yeah, it just we would never have seen it. Just and we never saw that at the movies. Like no, no. Well, I mean, I think when I came out, it was. I mean, when I when it came out, I was like twelve. <laughs> when you came out, <laughs> I think it was like twelve when I came out. Yeah, I said it again. Yeah. yeah. Um, Yep. Um, so, yeah, I, I was kind of just the age when my parents were like, "Yeah, you can watch that, I guess," and it terror it, it terrified me. Yeah. Uh, but that that is signs, right? There are people that think that's the scariest thing they've ever seen, and there are people that go, "I don't get it. That movie's stupid. That's fucking dumb. It wasn't as good as Sixth Sense. It wasn't even scary. Uh, what the hell is even happening?" Which um, I, I don't. Yeah. Yeah. All they focus on is because they don't actually get the movie. Like, well, not get the movie, but they don't. Yeah. Yeah, and, and I can completely understand that if you just don't get the the tone of the movie that you like, or you don't fall into that tone while you're yeah. watching it. Then all you're doing is like, why is that kid drinking water? Why is this happening? Why is Joaquin Phoenix being weird? Is he even acting? Um, yeah, all the usual things. Um, how, how? Why is this happening at me? And all I can think about is watching Scary Movie Three. <laughs> <laughs> and also, um, we 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 don't need to 
pay any attention to M. Night Shyamalan saying it's not actually an alien invasion movie. They're meant to represent angels and it's the rapture. Yeah. We don't have yeah. to listen to that at no, all. No, we don't, we, we, we don't need that. And, um... and no, it is not sold by the whole faith argument of the film, the through plot of him getting his faith back. No, it's... it's No. The, the uh, faith through plot is there just to represent him I like that movie more so as that... A, at that time a hardcore atheist where uh, you just watched uh, a man whose entire world was built on that belief system lose his faith because something real happened to him a few years ago and he continues to hold on to that while being challenged again. Yeah, uh, I liked that. Yeah, it was like, yeah, he's definitely not going to believe in a god after this, but he's really not going to believe it after this. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then on from that, now that we've shifted even further into the aliens and horror genre, mm-hmm. um, we recently watched what is apparently considered to be the first found footage movie. DJ Miller and Cloverfield? Yes. Oh. No. Um, <laughs> it's a movie called UFO Abduction from 1989. Really? Huh. Yes. Okay. I believe it is. You can find it on YouTube. The entirety of it. American found footage sci-fi. Yeah, produced. Huh. So it's it was basically made by a guy who wanted to make a um, cool, a cool movie, and he was obsessed. Yeah, because he was like a film school dropout. Yeah, and he he got like six grand or something to make a movie, but he didn't get obviously enough to make a movie properly so he chose to do it with like a handicap yep Um, then yeah but so by pure budget constraints and then on from that um it's also referred to as the mcpherson tape sometimes Mm, that's right mcpherson tape uh where is it oh Yeah, there you go. $6,500 for the budget. So, just so I'm guessing the, the opening the... scene from Signs must be a reference, must have been an homage to this thing, because it's got the, there's an alien. Um, the film depicts the alien abduction of a Connecticut family as they celebrate their relative's fifth birthday. And that alien walking across the driveway scene was during a birthday party. Maybe. Inside. So this this then the exact same guy remade this movie in the nineties in Canada with a bit more budget and apparently that is also quite Pretty decent. Good. Um incident in Lake County. This this is one of the few found footage things that and and granted I got turned onto this by a podcast, but mm. um it doesn't feel forced in any way, shape or form. Like the the reason the guy's playing with a video camera is because he's a nerd that's excited that he's got, uh, you know, like in the eighties when you could first sort of buy a handy cam. Yeah. Um. Wow. There's um the the remake that he did in the nineties, yeah. uh, was covered in so much controversy because even then it was still being confused as being real footage. Um when it was broadcast in New Zealand as called out specifically, um, TVNZ cut off the final credits, which confused yes. the viewers even more into thinking that like not uh, the credits would have made it very clear they're all actors. Yeah. Um, 
and TVNZ's defense of that was saying, well, the subject matter uh, is proof that it was clearly like a, a spoof or a farce. Just like, well, no, you cut the credits to make money so you could put ads on TV yeah. and it fucked with everyone's minds. Way to go. Yeah. And it um and there's there's weird things like the original release never happened and then the master version of the film got um got got destroyed in a fire and then it basically a screener that was out in the wild somewhere got ripped off by somebody yeah and that was how the movie started to come back to life yeah so then a ripped screener with no starter end or anything on it became what people were watching um out in the wild and slowly mm, copying mm. and spreading this movie so its own origin got lost and the owner of the film didn't even know that how was... could he like you, when you cut off the um the traceability element of the film yeah and that and, and that he time thought his film then... had been completely destroyed yeah and yeah it's also a copy of a copy so it's uh, it's not great vhs quality like the yeah. whole thing is very hard to see anything at all yeah um save for like the last scene where you see a few of the aliens just walk straight into the middle of the house after he's finally done what his family's told him and just put the camera down somewhere he still leaves it filming and points it towards all the people because he's still obsessed with like documenting it but um you see that the the alien costumes are pretty shit and it's literally just like three little girls all wearing um i think plastic helmets and skin colored gloves nice <laughs> but but the 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 fear of the people involved is quite palpable mm. um the fact that everything that's quite you know is technically terrifying happens off screen like there are two you know beyond the main dude there are two other dudes with guns who are like quite prepared to defend anyone mm. but they go off to try and get a um start one of the people's cars and so that they can all jump in the car and get away and um they just never see them again hmm. you hear a gun go off in the distance at one point and they're all worried about it but yeah you, you they got go out to the truck and take a look and like i think one of the guns is left behind but the the two guys are completely gone they um, are inside the house and hear one crawling on the roof at one point and they shoot through the guy shoots through the roof and it falls off the roof and dies for whatever reason they bring its body inside um, and like just store it in the bedroom of the house but next time they go out there the, the body is gone hmm. um, once it's just the camera guy and the, the grandma the two women and the little girl left um, the aliens sort of take turns at trying to, um, what's the word? Like psychically suggest to everyone to open the doors up and let them in. Right. So you just have characters start arbitrarily like walking towards the doors and trying to unlock them. Huh. That's cool. But you see so little that on top of it being night, on top of all the characters being like quite genuinely confused and scared the whole movie and on top of the fact that you're just viewing it through a crappy old handy cam and it's on vhs tape and it's shitty like you 
you can only really see anything for maybe 55 to 60 percent of the film right so you're, you're just relying on the scared what the fuck was that what the hell was that do you see what that was what was that of the film i love that it's fucking yeah. awful it hurts my soul but i love yeah. that um yeah and it, it's it's one of those things where you know it's not real but you you inadvertently find yourself buying into it the more as time goes on and that yeah the just palpable fear of the characters really sells it hmm. okay. um, i need to watch think, the remake too yeah same i'm putting that on the list uh cool let's wrap it up there that's a tight god knows how long of an episode but this has I been wide shut he's has. been your host logan i've been your host jesse indeed um follow us on yeah. the socials um all, all the usual things yep um eventually we'll do our vr episode yeah we'll get there we'll get there uh, turns out we've been doing it in vr this whole time Whoa. um wait no we have no you have oh god Whoa. i'm getting a call i know all right that's been all us right. we are arriva dirty hurt